Welcome to the Get Sacred Podcast. I'm your host, intuitive life coach, Melissa Elysian, and I'm here to teach you how to create more money, more love, and more sacred success. If you're ready to create a lusciously abundant and pleasure-filled life, you're in the right place. Hello, hello. Ooh, where do I begin? I'm excited about this episode because I just want to tell you a little story that I digged up <laughs> from my life. And um, I guess I'll, I'll just tell you, I'll start with telling you too much and then <laughs> see if I need to rein myself in. But I'll just start with what kind of like ticked off um, me looking back into my past and finding a story, you know, a, a real life event that happened, but the story I made about the story I made up around it and how it's impacted my life as far as being able to receive and to create wealth, etc. So first we'll start at um, I had hired a psychic that I had worked with before and I like gifted this um, session to myself just because I think it's like fun and I totally absolutely um, believe that people have the power to intuit because I can't I don't have the like luxury of not believing because I do it so <laughs> so there's that you know as soon as I um, get my hands on someone especially if I'm doing energy work um, and they've like kind of given me permission to help and heal and to like be a you know conduit of their healing um, I pick things up and I have you know sensory experiences but I also have information downloads and so like I'm just wanting to clarify and add that that's not like a realm that is like unusual or uh, mysterious to me per se. Like I just, to me, it's like obvious, like duh. Because <laughs> if I can do it, then certainly I don't even think my gifts in that area are like extraordinary. So certainly, if I can pick up on um, people's things, I, oh, I'm down. I'm, you know, I'm for it. So anyway. Going back, I just wanted to speak to that because I'm sure that some people think that that's just, like, wild. And I'm sure that there are people who, like, you know, aren't the real deal. But um, I went to someone that I trusted. And uh, what she shared with me was um, that there was something in my life when I was 17 years old. There was something, an event or situation that happened that has made it so that I have been able to move through my life and like create what I've wanted, um, but with some limitation and that it has created some like emotional and spiritual stagnation because I'm ready to, I've like, I'm ready to outgrow what um, I picked up from that situation. And she didn't tell me specifically what happened. She just told me this is the year that's coming up and whatever happened has you in a place where you're still able to create the life that you want. You're still able to achieve 
success. And she was just saying, like, you've been able to create what you've wanted, but there is something that has, like, a, you know, like, a limit. There's, like, a little something that's got a gauge on how much is possible for me from this this event and memory. And when she brought it up, I really couldn't think of it. And that's probably because good job brain, my brain was attempting to ditch the memory at all costs, <laughs> probably. And it wasn't something, and I just, you know, like, I'm just gonna say this, it, there is no need for a trigger warning. This is not, um, graphic in any way it was just something that left a big impact so I didn't know when she told when she shared with me that there was something from when I was 17 exactly what it was but I I, I gave some time to think about it afterwards because she didn't tell me what what story or event or circumstance it was and I when I thought over it I remembered that there's one particular memory that I have from being 17 years old that really has shaped my ability to um, create, like, uninten like unintentionally has done, has impacted it. Okay, so let me tell you the story. So this is what happened. When I was 17 years old, um, I remember I had gotten my um, paperwork from Stony Brook University, which was like the first school that I attended college to. So I got my letter of acceptance from Stony Brook University. I remember, I mean, I got accepted to other places and I remember I picked Stony Brook and I was, I, the letter that I had received was asking for the deposit for school to, to enroll, right? So I needed to send them like $150 to enroll in to just like put my deposit so that I would later on be able to enroll for school. And at the same time that I got this letter and was wanting to present it to my parents so that I could get this thing paid for, my sister was taking an international trip abroad um, to do missionary work in Kenya, I believe. And so my parents were navigating the cost of their, her trip and um, it was for them unexpectedly expensive. I know that sounds a little bit weird, but what happened was it was at the church. And so the intention was for the youth to like raise money and to raise as much money as possible to support their trip. But it was really up to the youth to create the income through outreach, et cetera. And then like whatever was left over, um, their families would have to take care of. And so like when my, I, I assume, that when my parents agreed to this, they were under the impression that <laughs> there would be more support than what they were going to have to put in. And over time, it just became a, a financial, I'm not going to say burden, but like hard, like, no, that's not the right word either. I'm going to say it was stressful. <laughs> that's what I'm going to decide to use as a word. I think it became stressful because they didn't anticipate how much money was going to be required from them. And they didn't have um, the means by which to really plan for it in the way that um, the trip was planned out. Like there was no absolute number for which that they knew that they were going to have to contribute. And so I think, I think initially the hope was that everybody's costs would be covered by fundraising, et cetera, and that just didn't happen. So my sister's, like, you know, getting to the last leg of um, 
paying for the trip that she's going to take abroad. She's in the last leg and she's bringing her like, hey, I need this much more. And like, this is the final date. And it's, and it's a situation where it's like, there's no backing out of it. Like they're already so in you, like all you can do is keep going. <laughs> and then, um, and I'm in having on that same day, this, um, need to like take care of my deposit. And I remember bringing it to my parents and um, her at the same time bringing what she needed to my parents financially. And I think it just like stressed them out a lot and they got very frustrated and overwhelmed. And I could see that now as an adult, but most of my life, <laughs> this, you're hearing, you're hearing this story from the person who's more healed. Um, most of my life, my memory of that event is one where I don't um, have the capacity, like I haven't had the capacity to resonate with their experience of being overwhelmed and not having, or like kind of having a situation where they weren't anticipating this need. I couldn't see what the circumstance was for them at the time and for much of my life since. Mostly what I left from that day was I was so excited about going to school. And so when I asked for what I needed um, and was met with like a resistance and like a frustration and um, this upset and like um, also like a sense of priority of my sister's trip because of just like the deadlines and what they had already invested in it. What I left that situation with was this sense that the things that I wanted weren't important um, and that my family wasn't willing to invest in um, me. I'm just going to like, I'm like, what's the right word? The right word is me. That was the feeling. The feeling was I'm not supported. I'm not supported. I'm not taken care of. Um, and that was, and I, like, I remember, I can remember just like being so sad that day. Like, I don't even think I showed my parents that. And I think I just kind of was met with their resistance, their frustration, their like, just the energy of them in the dilemma of trying to figure out how to meet everybody's needs when they were not anticipating how great they would be. And I think I just separated myself and like felt the weight of, I can't believe that I'm trying to like get into, not trying to, it wasn't like some far-fetched thing. <laughs> so let me take it down a notch. I can't believe that it's time for me to like get into school. And this is even a conversation. Like this should be like, of course, like with joy and pleasure, you know, that's what I not necessarily think I was expecting, but eh, maybe, maybe that's exactly what I was expecting. I don't see why I wouldn't have been expecting it to be like just more easy and no resistance and definitely not like frustrated, the frustrated energy of what their circumstance was. And I was just so hurt. Oh my gosh, I was so hurt. I can look at the memory now. I was just so tender about it. I just couldn't believe that 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 was what I was being met with. You know, I wanted um, I wanted to just like ask and then just receive, you know, obviously. <laughs> so so and then like I was just so frustrated because of it just felt like a low priority and they were on you know, they had 
different deadlines and um, for the two things that they needed to take care of. And I just felt like I can't believe this thing that's so important to me is of low priority. Anyway, hurt. Left with a feeling I'm not supported. If I ask for what I want, I'm not supported. I'm not going to get it. People are not willing to invest in me. They're frustrated that I need their support. Kind of energy, thought patterns, belief. And I was hurt. Like I was really, really hurt. And to the point where it imprinted. It really imprinted on the way that I move through the world in relationship to asking for help and in relationship to receiving Um, in relationship to like feeling the need to do things on my own Um, and certainly in my relationship with my family and it's like I have pretty good relationship with my family but I completely like bypassed the residue of this story to to do that (laughs) you know like I had to like bury it I had to bury it but it was still there so Anyway, this is what comes out of, you know, her, and by her I mean this psychic's thing that she tells me. I remember this memory. And, of course, it clicks to me, right, because of what I just shared with you. I can, I have, I have been creating all sorts of wonderful, delightful, joyous things in my life that I've wanted, I've pretty damn good at manifesting. It's um, surprising and startling sometimes (laughs) how good I can be at doing it. But, of course, if there's any part of me that doubts um, whether or not I'm worthy to receive help or ready to receive at all, if there's any part of me that sets limits on what I will allow other people to do for me, because of a belief that they're not going to show up, of course that is going to impact my capacity to receive. Not just like create, I mean like let the things in. Like to actually let myself experience having them and let myself experience people showing up for me. And I'm not going to say like I'm not good at that or like um, that... I don't receive. That's not true. I'm getting better every single day. But this awareness of the impact of that memory made me really see clearly that there is a very deep-seated, or at least there was a very deep-seated belief in the idea that um, I wasn't, that I wouldn't be supported or I won't be supported in the things that I want to create, do in the world, and that it is on me to make it happen, that I shouldn't be waiting or relying on anyone. I also just want to add that I actually did um, get a degree, so, or two, (laughs) or like a handful of them. So that being the case, I just want to speak to the fact that obviously at some point that um, deposit got paid, but my, I have no idea how it got paid. Like, I can't remember. And, I, and I'm bringing this up just to say, like, this is a function of the memory, right? Like, the, the experience of that situation was traumatic for me and to the point where the part where everything turns out fine, my brain has, like, 
I don't even know what it did with that information because I was so engrossed in the story that I created around it that the part where everything turns out fine, like, I don't know if, like, I can't even tell you if, like, the next day my parents were like, here, no problem. I can't remember. I literally can't remember, and I think it's because of what I did to that situation, what the story I created around it was so consuming that I think I took out the parts that didn't align with this belief around not being supported that I took from it. And I'm just showing you that because I think it's important to see how our mind creates stories and like how it compartmentalizes, how it judges, how it eliminates. And I'm, you know, and I'm not doing it from a place of judging myself. I really appreciate our minds for their capacity to um, protect us when they need to. And also I really appreciate their capacity to, you know, 10 years later <laughs> or more <laughs> to look at the story that it created and also decide it's time to change it. So I have appreciation for my mind, but I also like kind of am laughing at the fact that I don't, I don't know how the story gets good. I know that it does, but I don't remember how because it did not sync up with the story that I created in my mind, so it's gone, apparently. Maybe it'll come back soon. In any case, um, I wanted to share this because, hot damn, hot damn, like, <laughs> it really shaped my relationships with my parents unconsciously. I can look back now, from here, adult me, can look back and see how that um, how that played out in like how often I've asked or reached out for help or to get advice or like any, like I, I made up a story around that circumstance and it dictated how I've behaved since then. And only in hindsight, have I been, a, ha, am I able to see, um, all the places where I could have received, I could have asked for help and I didn't because of that like belief that was hiding down deep. And I'm also sharing this with you because from having that memory, I got so like, I like allowed myself to really dive into that memory when I found it. Cause you know, cause Shorty was like, I'm talking about the psychic. She said <laughs> that it was blocking, you know, that it was getting in the way. It was kind of like tempering. It was kind of like, uh, dimming down, milding. I don't know what the right word that I'm looking for is, but it, it was slowing down the flow. And I'm not in the business of slowing down the flow. I'm in the business of expansion and opening the flow and like creating this sense of freedom and opening and receptivity. And, you know, I, I crave that deeply, like cultivating it is important to me. Um, and so, of course, when she says that, I'm going to go look and find the thing that she told me. And so when I found this memory and I was like, okay, that definitely has a chance of being the reason 
<laughs> or what she's talking about. I really looked at it and I allowed myself to feel deeply into the emotions of the 17-year-old me. I mean, I phoned, I called a friend, I cried it out. I just let myself drop into that little version of me because um, obviously I had been fronting on her for a long time and just pretending like she wasn't there and she was. So I allowed adult me to feel all of those things and face all of those things and talk it out. And I shared it with my partner and I shared it with my friend. Um, I probably talked about it in therapy. I just kept looking at, uh, the feelings that it, that came up around it so that I could stop shoving them down and I could look at them and I can love on them and I could heal them. And the end result of giving it the time and the attention that it needed was me being able to have a breakthrough of really going back to that memory and like seeing it for what it was without just like my emotional response to how it went down. And so through that love and care and attention and allowing myself to feel, and I just want to emphasize allowing myself to feel because I think that that is the hardest part and I also think it is the most healing part and the most nourishing part is like the way to move through these things is to let the feelings come up and to actually allow yourself to experience them and create for yourself a sense of safety and trust and love and acceptance in yourself as you allow yourself to just feel it because the only reason why it's sitting underneath there <laughs> the only reason why you've been pushing it down and not allowing yourself to feel it and I'm talking to myself is because you don't you're afraid of the magnitude of the pain that it might cause but what it, the end result is all of the pain that it creates while you're shoving it down. So I let myself just go there. I mean, I probably, I had at least one cry with a, with a booger and like with a booger, with like boogers, <laughs> I'm being ridiculous, but like I let myself really feel it. And it, and to be honest, it didn't seem like rational, right? Like the way that I was feeling into it didn't resonate with uh, the version of me that I am now as much as that part of me was in there. And so I just let it go. Like I knew I was, I knew that as I was speaking to a friend or partner or whatever, that I sounded a little bit, um, childish or immature in, in like even my storytelling, but I just let myself do it. Like, cause that was who needed healing that version of me. Okay. So end result of giving myself that permission to really feel all of the things was being able to then look at this memory and really see it for what it was without the pain being the filter for what actually happened. And so I looked at it and I, then I could see what I told you about this memory from the beginning. Then I could see, oh my gosh, my parents were stressed out. Like they had no idea. They hadn't, they hadn't had a chance to plan for what we were asking of them. And we were, listen, me and my sisters, like, I don't know. 
we make shit happen. So, like, that's what that's the energy that they were getting. Like, this needs to get done. <laughs> that's like, that's how they made us. It's not like shocking or by any stretch of the imagination, but um, certainly for them, they were in a si- sticky situation because they hadn't anticipated what our needs were going to be, and they were being put on the spot, and we were putting a lot of pressure, and there was time pressure. And I can only imagine, like, now as an adult, that you want to give your children everything, and we kind of put them in a situation um, where they had to feel deeply in that moment a sense of not they didn't have to feel that way but they probably likely were in that moment having the sense of not being able to do that not being able to show up for the kids their kids the way that they wanted not being able to give us everything that we wanted at once you know I could see that now I I did not I saw none of this before like two weeks ago (laughs) none of it right and only from that lens, because I could see them as human and like what their experience was as they were responding to me. And I can also see me like I didn't really create any room. Um, I was really like I was pretty devastated, like very quickly. Like I was just the expectation was this was going to get done and that that's that. And I. I wouldn't be surprised if it was taken care of in a day or two after, but I wasn't, I think I was already in some other wound that I was having and hearing no or hearing frustration just sent me in a direction where I just, um, just felt hurt, like there you know, not jumping to meet my need for me at that time was like a complete letdown. I just felt kind of like abandoned in that moment with that situation because it was so important to me. It was so important to me. So with that ability to perceive this whole situation differently, right, with the ability to see them as human, right, as, like, real people, right, trying to do their best, I was able to even, like, play with my imagination and see, like, okay, had they had the resources, right, like, had they had the resources, had they not been stressed out by, like, the pressure that we put on them without allowing them to have any type of plan or anything like that, (laughs) like, what do I believe would have been my parents' like best of what I know of them, my whole experience of them, my whole life? What would have been their best response? Like, what would what was a, would have been would have been a more typical, more aligned response from them than what I actually felt like I had experienced? And so I thought on that and allowed myself to kind of reimagine it. I was like, if the pressure wasn't there, maybe. Maybe if the pressure wasn't there, I would have seen my father in his fullness, which is, like, super excited about me going to school. I mean, to this very day, this man is like, I don't understand why you don't have a doctorate in something. He is, He's big on education. So a more aligned version of him in that story would have 
would have, um, and I don't mean like aligned to me or abundance, I mean aligned to himself, would have been him being really excited and being like in a state of pleasure around um, providing for me in this way. And same with my mom, just like a level of excitement and um, pride and wanting to contribute. And I feel like now, I'm, because I'm able to like, because I allowed myself to feel what I felt, I'm able to look back and see like that was just a moment of, in time. It was probably a five minute ordeal, maybe even, maybe 10, maybe. And it really shaped my relating to receiving. And now that I've allowed myself to feel into what I felt in that moment, I could see more clearly that it really, it really wasn't what I perceived it to be. It just wasn't. Um, just with the, just with that freedom from my emotions being the lens, I can have, I have like a deep sense of compassion for my parents because guess what? My sister went on her trip and I went to Stony Brook, right? Like they figured it out. They sorted it out and maybe their backs were against the wall. And so I wasn't seeing like (laughs) their best form, but they showed up and my ability, my willingness to just let myself feel what I was feeling then, now, and look at it and like examine it and love on it and give myself what I needed from, you know, what what I didn't get in that moment and give it to myself has allowed me to have so much grace and compassion for that those five minutes that <laughs> that left quite a big impact on my life. And so I just wanted to share that with you. Like there's so much value in um, rewriting our stories, especially when it comes to money, because everyone has been, you know, the society around us has been writing stories and telling us these stories about what it means to have it and what it means to not have it. And, you know, you know, like, telling us stories about how it's going to make you happier and how if you don't have it, it makes you sad. Like just giving us like literally utter nonsense because (laughs) that's not, you know, that it is not, it does not function to give all things. That's not what it does. And so, you know, I'm speaking to all of those stories because we have those stories. Then we have our own stories that we filter through our experiences and our pains and our insecurities And there's so much room for us to rewrite and to heal if you're willing to feel. And I just want to offer that that changes things for me, right? Like just being able to imagine the situation differently from a place of feeling more secure and like tended to has allowed me to have great compassion for my parents instead of this like kind of deep unknowing disconnection that I didn't know that I like I didn't know that I was living that out uh, on the low and then um a deep level of compassion and also a deep sense of gratitude which was not 
I tell you, that is not what I left that experience with. It was not gratitude. <laughs> That's not what I was feeling. I was angry and I was hurt and I was sad. I was not feeling grateful. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, we like stressed them out and they made it happen anyway. Right. They made it happen for us. They were relentless. Um, they were loving. They gave their all. Um, not that like if they hadn't, it wouldn't have been that, but like just to have one story tell me how I wasn't taken care of or how they didn't show up for me or how I wasn't invested in from that to a deep sense of gratitude and appreciation for how difficult that situation might've been for them and how they figured it out from a deep sense of love and wanting to do exactly the things that I unfortunately um, misinterpreted because they did the complete opposite of what I left that story with. And I'm so happy now that I get to have the fullness of what was true. Like so much love so much love and so much dedication and so much showing up for me and so much showing up for us and so much having our backs and so much inv investing in us. Um, and now I get to have that <laughs> instead of what I had before, which is, oh, what a sweet and beautiful gift. So I will share this Oh, very long <laughs> rendition of this story to tell you that it's really possible for you to flip the script. Um, I'm currently doing uh, The Course of Miracles with Marianne Williamson, and I'm not going to pretend like I get on it every single day. But today was like day 32, and I think it's something like... Um, Basically, the idea is I'm creating the world that I see, right? Like the world as I see it, I've created it, right? And I did the meditation this morning and listened, like did the lesson. And I just, again, deep appreciation because I was seeing the world very differently before I took a good look at this story that I had written and I've been able to rewrite it and now the whole world looks different because I'm looking at it differently. And that's true for, I don't know, a lot of things. So I want to offer it to you, um, the availability to rewrite some stories. And I also want to invite you to sign up for working with me and get coached by me so that you have places and spaces to do this work. Like, I share these stories because, one, I think there's a gift in it and, you know, just to, like, he hear, to see that what's possible, but also because I want to invite you to know that it's, like, you can create that sense of safety and healing and expansion for yourself. And I didn't do it alone. I did it with you know, I did it with my, my, my A-team, my board of directors, you know, my, those people in my life that um, can hold space for this and witness me and be a sounding board and also just like be a mirror for me. And this is the work that I do with my clients. I just want you to hear 
uh, deeply what that looked like in my own experience. Um, and I want you to know that I will hold space for you if you have stories that you need to change. I mean, I think that's all I'm doing every day with my clients. <laughs> but now you know what it looks like when you're doing it um, when prompted by a psychic. <laughs> all right. I hope that that share is healing for you. And I want you to know that I'm here for you. Um, and to reach out, just head to the website if you want to book a consultation. Oh, I just feel like there's so much goodness for us when we really just continuously are tapping in to the abundance that is available. We have so many things to share with each other. Um, and the more that we let in, the more that can flow out. And oh my God, is that so beautiful. It's so beautiful. All right. I love you. Have a very, very good week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Get Sacred podcast. For more ways to connect, I want you to head to melissaelysian.com. To be coached by me, head to my website and schedule a time for us to chat all things sacred and sovereign about your life and your business. The link is in the show notes. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.